0: 41. Psalm 41. Again, if you're visiting with us and you're seeking after the things of the Lord and seeing what He has for you, and you may not be too terribly familiar with how the Bible is laid out, um, right in the middle, pretty much right in the middle, you'll see a collection that's known as the Psalms, and you'll see there Psalm 41. And I hope that as as you're turning there, you were able just to drink in what the message was of that song that they were that they were teaching us. Um, that was front to back what the gospel is all about, and it's wonderful to know that we have a Savior that accomplished all of that for us, and that we're not alone in our in our quest to find Him. That He comes and finds us, and if He's searching for you and you're you're looking and you're 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 processing and you're trying to find, please don't hesitate in talking to someone that uh, can help you move along in your quest for peace uh, and your quest for, peace, your quest for lear- learning more about who Jesus is and what He's done. Well, as we usually do, we're going to ask you to stand, and if you would, read with me uh, Psalm 41. And this is the word of the Lord. To the choir master a psalm of David, verse 1. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. You do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and his name perish? And when one comes to see me, he utters empty words. While his heart gathers iniquity, he goes out and tells it abroad. All who hate me whisper together about me. They imagine the worst for me. They say a deadly thing is poured out on him. He will not rise again from where he lies. Even my close friend whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up that I may repay them. By this I know that you delighted me. My enemy will not shout in triumph over me, but you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. You may be seated. So now as we get into the summer months, This is what we've been doing, as I mentioned earlier, for the last few last few summers. This is the fifth summer that we've been going through the Psalms, and so we start in Psalm forty-one next week. uh, Eric Sanford will be with you; he's a fellow pastor here in the in the city, and he'll be sharing with you Psalm forty-two and forty-three. And when Allison, our our beloved brother here, is going to be sharing from Psalm forty-four the week after. So we want to make sure that we're digging into this because the ebbs and flows of life sometimes make it very difficult for us to be able to give voice to what's going on. Sometimes we may know what's going on. Sometimes we may not have any idea why it's happening. And so when we read through the Psalms, there's an honesty that's there. If there's a time for us to praise, well, the Psalms are there to give voice to that praise. If we need to confess our sin, there it is as well. Along with knowing better who the one is that we're confessing to, sometimes we're just sad. Sometimes the the issues of life come about, and we're just we're just sad. I've been dealing with that over the last couple of months with uh, you know things that are going on with my brother, um, my boys graduating from high school. Um, you know, every time you see your parents, they don't get younger; they get older, just like what we all do. And on and on and it goes, and you know, sometimes you're having to say over the past few over the past year, we've had to say goodbye to a lot of friends who are now at home with the Lord. And so the sadness sometimes we think as Christians, well, if I trust Jesus, then I'm never going to be sad again. And that's not that's not the case. But there was one author a long time ago that said, because of the resurrection, everything sad will come untrue. And I love that. But this is where we are. This is where we are in our broken world. Uh, We don't have parents that always uh, did right by us. We don't have friends that always did right by us. We have sometimes people that are converging in on us. Sometimes, as we're going to see here, that the, the issue with David is that he was dealing with physical issues. He was sick. He was having a lot of health issues that were keeping him in bed. And as king, that gave the enemies an opportunity to be able to come in and to say, hey, um, this is maybe our opportunity. Maybe he won't rise out of the bed. He probably won't rise out of the bed. And since he loved God so much, then why is all that hard stuff happening to him? On and on it goes. And it's almost like when you, when you begin to see what this psalm is saying, you're like, wow, this was written 3,000 years ago? This is like it could have been written yesterday. And that's so. That's the way that it is. And so with, with a broken world, God in his mercy and grace gives us voice on how to communicate those hard things to him, but also how to deal with each other, how to deal with ourselves as well. And so we're looking at Psalm 41, and the title of it is, Christ, the one who knows the weak. He knows us. And sometimes we think, well, Christ is sitting on his throne. How could he know what's going on with me? Well, that's why it was so important for him to be here for those 33 years here on earth. When you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are a selective biography of Jesus' life as he is living among us, with us, as us. Fully God, but also he's, he's fully man. And he's walking among us and he understands exactly what we are going through. That's why it talks about in Hebrews 4 that we can go to Jesus and find mercy and grace and find help in time of need because he's been tempted in every way that we are. He was with us. He moves with us and moves and understands with us. There was a pastor in Philadelphia. He's now with the Lord. He passed away about 20 years ago, and he's, he's, his name is James Montgomery Boyce, and he wrote a commentary on the Psalms, and the title of, that com- of, of this chapter that he put in there was A Weak Man's Strong Tribute. So if you don't see yourself as weak right now, give it a minute. If you don't see yourself as weak right now, just start talking to somebody or being around people and they'll they'll let you know. Or all you have to do is just look in the mirror as you try to get up in the morning and move. You see your weakness. Boy, where did that come from? Oh wow. I pulled the muscle sleeping. This is where we are. Wow. Fantastic. But even in his weakness, as as the enemy spoke evil. Some of you some of you can identify with that. That's interesting. I thought it was just me. But but the enemies. Even as they come in, even as his own health takes over, even as his friend, it talks about in verse 9, even as his friend leaves him and betrays him and goes over to the other side. What David is trying to tell us here is about God's grace and God's mercy, not in spite of all that's going on. Because he is the only one that stays strong and true, He being our Lord God through Jesus Christ. He's the only one that stays strong. He's the only one that stays true. We hold on to Him tightly because He's holding on to us tightly. Everything else we hold on to loosely in this world. We have to. Sometimes we get it backwards. We're holding on to God lightly. We're holding on to church lightly. We're holding on to the things of the faith lightly. And we're holding on to this world. This world is not meant to sustain you and to live you and to and for you to live in, and live on, and live by. This world is not there to give you meaning and purpose. That it can't it, it can't sustain that. But Christ is there. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's wonderful, the Savior, that He comes in and is with us in the midst of all the issues of life. So if you look at verses one to three. Let me read this to you again. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. It it must be said that some of your versions, if you're reading like say out of the New International Version, fine version, that's that's good. Just because I'm reading out of a different version doesn't mean all the other ones are terrible. What I'm saying to you is that you may be reading where it says blessed is the one who considers the, the weak. Your version say that? So it's, like, it's one of those words that you're trying to translate from Hebrew into English, that some of those words have a, have a flexibility about it. And so it's really talking about, blessed are the ones who, are, who consider the low or the poor or the weak. And it says the thin, and we're not talking about physically thin. It's talking about how, how spiritually and emotionally you just may not be feeling that robust. Anyone identify with that? Of course you can of course you can. You may be going through a good spot right now, but there may have been times that you may feel that way, and there will be times that are going to come up. And I, that's what I love about the, the Word of God is that it's honest with you. It's not going to tell you that everything is going to go super fine all the time. And so you're reading this, but again, blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. As I read through this, look at what God is doing. Look at how God operates. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is blessed in the land. You do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. Look at all that God is doing. Delivering, protecting, keeping alive. Not surrendering us over to the enemy or our enemies. The Lord sustains him in his sickbed. Sustaining. He's restoring to full health. We have to understand that we're, we're not, we're all one unit when it comes to this. We're body and soul. But there, there's pieces to us like this. So every, every time I end up going to a, like a nursing home or um, on the deathbed of someone or someone that's really, that's really struggling, had, had that happen a couple of times this week, when you are emotionally and, and mentally and spiritually strained, it can affect you physically, Right? And sometimes when you're affected physically, can it affect you emotionally, mentally, relationally, spiritually? So we're all one unit. And sometimes I have to ask myself, like like I know, and, and Tyler mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, the, the importance of rest. I used to think that it was a badge of honor that I didn't need a lot of sleep. Well, what the problem was is that it wasn't good for my health. It wasn't good for my demeanor. Because if I don't get a lot of sleep, um, I, I'm a bear. So I need to make sure that I get some rest and, and do all of that. Because if I don't have that physically, it affects me relationally. It affects me in every other way. And so when, when we're seeing this go on, you see that David is having all of these things go on in every single way. And it all started with the fact that he was ill in his sickbed. And so all of this is going on, and we have to honestly, I think, own that. That's one of the things in our culture, I think, is, is really good, is that we're starting to look at the mental health issue. Sometimes people t- kind of disregard this, and it's usually, and it's from people where the way I grew up, you know, you just, you know, you just rub some dirt on it, right, physically, emotionally, whatever. You just rub some dirt on it or you just, you know, fake it till you make it. You just grit your teeth and go. And it can be, it can be detrimental. It, it really can. And sometimes even when we talk about in our prayer guide, you, think, you look at all the stuff in the prayer guide, you don't see a lot of prayer requests. And listen, tell, tell us your physical request. It tells us in the Bible, James 5, to do that. If if you are sick, come and let the elders know so we can pray for you. Got it. But there's also other issues that are going on. Boy, I'm really struggling with pornography or I'm really struggling with my thoughts. I'm really struggling with, you know, this and that and all that. We usually contain the two physical issues. But those physical issues, again, they, they affect everything else. Everything else can affect physical issues. And I'm not saying that you necessarily need to tell everybody you're all of your business. But I'm saying we can't ignore that part and, and just deal with the physical issues. David didn't. And, 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 and we shouldn't as well. I love what James Montgomery Boyce, again, he, this is from that commentary, about how God doesn't just meet us generally, that He meets us in our specific issue. He says this, It is not merely that the Lord cares for us in a general way, though He does do that. The wonderful thing about the Christian life is that God cares for us in specific ways. It is when we are sick that He provides comfort. It is when we are discouraged that He lifts us up. Is when we are not sure what decision to make. He gives us clear guidance, such as the personal interest and care provided by our God. He cares for you personally. He knows exactly what is going on with you. So go ahead and pray that to Him. It's not like if you try to hide it, oh, no, I don't want anybody to know. Well, the cat's already out of the bag. He knows. He gets it. But he's there for you as a follower of Jesus to meet you where you are. To be honest with you about your sin, but also to provide redemption and forgiveness to get you out of that sin and brokenness. And so in verses 4 to 10, where it talks about how God is, is giving grace, you look at verses 4, 4 and 10. I know we're looking at 4 through 10, I want to be clear. But verse 4 and verse 10 has the same phrase there. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me verse 10, but oh lord be gracious to me. I think he's trying to tell us something. I think he's trying to give voice to the fact that lord, all of this stuff is going on in my life. Please continue to extend your grace. Some of your ver- some of your verses may say mercy. Your your um, translations may say mercy. That they're related, they're they're cousins. They're you know, brother and sister and so when you look at that, this is the thing that's going on. And the sign of maturity for David is that, you know, sometimes when something happens in our lives, we're always wanting to blame somebody else for it, right? If something's going on with you, well, if it wasn't for them doing this and them doing that and and, and this happening 40 years ago, if my mom and dad hadn't you know treated me like this, and you can be in your 60s or 70s and still blaming mom and dad for something for a long time ago, and it may be legitimate, But what happens is is that David, while he says, yes, these things are going on, this is a legitimate thing, look at what he says here in verse 4. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. Don't miss your part. That's a sign of significant spiritual maturity is owning what you have done. Because you may have played a part in what's going on. You may not have, but whatever it is, it's very difficult for me as a preacher because knowing that there's a lot of different stories that are out there Listen, I'm talking in in general terms. We have to make sure that we are first looking inside because that's who God has called us to be accountable to first is, is ourselves. Have we sinned before him? Have we sinned before somebody else? Because it it talks about in Matthew 5 that if any of you are angry with someone, then you've committed murder in your hearts. And then what does he say? He's like, if any of you have done that, leave your offering at the altar. That's how they worship back then. Leave your offering at the altar and go and make things right. Go and make things right. Then you can come back and worship. Do you see? And so when we we are looking at this, this is an important deal that we make sure that we are dealing with ourselves physically, emotionally, relationally, mentally, spiritually, in all of these areas. But then he also notices, yeah, there are enemies that are coming against me. And it talks about in malice. They have malicious intent. They want to do him in. And as as this goes on, it talks about all, all the things that they are doing. So verse six, it talks about how they are, well, verse five, it talks about you know when will he die? when's he going to go away i I sure hope this sickness leads to death. I want him gone verse six when when one comes to see me, he utters empty words. This is what can happen well you 're not feeling well and but you may not like the person, but you go up to him and you 're like oh i 'm sorry you're feeling like i i 'm going to pray for you I, I I hope you're doing okay, and please let me know if there's anything we can do and then you walk away. And what does it say? He's gathering iniquity in his heart. See, on, on the inside, God knows everything about us on the inside. Man, right? We, we, man looks to the outside, it says in 1 Samuel, but God looks to the heart. He's gathering iniquity. He's gathering iniquity, and he go, when he goes out, he tells it abroad. In other words, when he walks away from that person, That's what You know what character is and integrity? Integrity is what people see. Who you are in private is who you are. That who you are on the inside is who you are on the outside. There's a consistency that's there. A person that doesn't have character will look at someone and say something really nice and empty to their face, but nice, and then walk away and just cut them to bits. I would love to say that that does not happen in churches. It happens in churches all the time. And we let our flesh—not flesh—that's—we let our human nature overtake us and not check ourselves. How would Jesus respond to this? I'm a follower of Jesus. He was consistent. Lord, help me to be consistent. And he goes on. They start running their mouths. Plotting against him, verse 6. You go down to verse 8, where it talks about, and a deadly thing is, they say a deadly thing is poured out on him. He will not rise again from where he lies. They're spreading rumors about his demise. Verse 9 is a tough one. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. So in 2 Samuel 15, um, David's son Absalom rose up and wanted to be king while David was king. Um, that's a problem. And then his close advisor, his close counselor, a guy named Ahithophel, he decides he's going to go over and be a counselor to Absalom. This is a close friend of David who left him. But we may know that verse from a different place. In John 13:18, Jesus cites this as a prophecy about how Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him over to the authorities that led to his crucifixion, how Judas Iscariot was that close friend, one of his disciples that was with him for three and a half years, saw all the miracles, heard all the teachings, saw everything that he did, and yet because of love of money and love of the world, decided that he was going to turn him over to the authorities for 30 pieces of silver, which Zechariah tells us is the price of a slave. So Jesus understands what what it's like to have a friend leave you. We all can, can think back on those times. And I think if you can think back on those times, whether it was a parent that threw you out or a friend that, 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 that turned away from you, I think if you were to look back over those times in your life, those are probably the most trying and the most difficult times that you experience in your life. It brings it all back. When you start thinking about it or someone else brings it up, it brings it all back. And it, it's tough. I, I need you to know, that Jesus understands perfectly what you're going through. He understands perfectly what it means for his enemies to turn him over, for his friends to turn him over. He understands what it means to be weak. You're on the cross, but he was also hungry. He was also thirsty. He also fell asleep. He fell asleep so hard in the boat in the middle of the storm, the disciples had to wake him up because they're, don't you care about we're going to die? I'm God in the boat, why are you doing... Okay, you know, and so all of a sudden he gets up and he he stills the storm. Jesus went through all of that. And he understands everything that we are going through. So if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to say this to you. You have to remind yourself of the truth of the gospel every single day. There There are passages where it's like... I don't want to take too much from Eric next week, but in Psalm 42 and 43, there's, there's a couple of places where it says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Now, sometimes people like Carla and Diane, they may be hear, hearing me talk to myself in my office. I, I don't know. Sometimes I'm preaching through something. If I'm preaching on something, I, I, don't, I don't write it out. If I, have to, if I get unstuck, for me to get unstuck, I have to preach it out. So sometimes I come into this room And I preach it through, or I'm in my office, or I preach it through. But sometimes I'm just like, now where are my keys? Where is this? What's going on? How could you lose that again? Uh, uh." And you're talking to yourself. Okay, so so it's you're going to do that. How about in the midst of that conversation that you're having with yourself? Notice what is being said here. Why are you cast down? Oh, my soul. He's talking to himself. He's preaching to himself. And what's he saying? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. So you got to tell yourself every single day hope in God. The world's going up while, while Nero burns, while, while, every, while everything burns. Nero's fiddling, Rome's burning. Hope in God. We have a, we have a month that is dedicated to sexual, a sexual um, activity that is against God's design. Hope in God. You're in despair, hope in God. Your marriage is falling apart, hope in God that he can bring that back together. Your kids may not be doing what you expected them to do, hope in God. Why are you downcast? There's lots of reasons why we can be downcast. But again, remember what we said before. God meets you in your specific need, not just in general need. We pray to him generally. I think we need to pray to him more specifically but he always deals with us. Yes, generally, but he always knows what's going on with us, and he always deals with us specifically, and that's a wonderful thing. Now, you got to keep in mind, too, because I know some of you are going to read this, and you're like, "Now nah, I'm liking this part. You look at verse 10, but, oh, Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up that I may repay them. David's speaking as a king, right? Governments aren't individual people, so governments If there's something that goes on in order to protect the citizenry, sometimes the governments may have to go and take action. I know we can have a whole big conversation about that, but that's the rationale. We're not called to do that as individuals. So David is speaking as a king. So you have to recognize what we're talking about here. He's speaking as a king, and he's going to make sure that he's doing what he can to to represent and to protect God's people as much as possible. This last part. Let me read it to you again, 11 to 13. By this I know that you delight in me. I gotta stop there. I keep saying I'm gonna read stuff and then I quit. Don't you love it when I do that? I'm not crazy about it myself, but it just, I catch, I catch it here and I'm like, by this I what? Yeah. Perceive? No. Think? No. What's that word? No. I, by this I know. That is a certainty. By this, I know that you delight in me. All the world, going to the dogs, and suddenly you you need to find, is someone going to delight in you? Your wife, your spouse may not always delight in you. Your kids may not always delight in you. Church members may not always delight in you. I mean, I hope so. I hope when you walk in a room, people are like, yeah, I'm glad he's here. But that may not always be the case. But when God sees you, he loves you, and He delights in you. Now, He does not delight in things in your life that are not for you, for Him and good for you, but He loves you, and He brings you to a place where you can, where you can give voice to, Lord, I'm sorry. I confess that I have gone against your way and your design. I'm sorry. Will you please I, 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 give me the strength to repent of it? so that I can follow you in in the way that you have for me. By this I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout in triumph over me, but you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. Notice what's being said. Notice the, the, the tense here. He is not saying, but you will uphold me. You have upheld me presently. He's not out of the mess. But while he's in the mess, while he's in the storm, while he's in the trial and the tribulation, however you want to put it, whatever synonym you want to put in there, he's upholding me. Well, I don't feel upheld. He's upholding you. Uh You have upheld me because of my integrity. Well, that's the integrity that God works in him. He's staying consistent. We need Christians that are consistent at home, at work, at school, at church, wherever they may be. And this is what God works in us, is that we're going to be consistent. We're going to love Jesus in our homes. We're going to love Jesus at school. We're going to love Jesus at work. We're going to love Jesus at church. And we're going to stay consistent with that and not worry about what anybody else thinks because our only concern is being faithful to him. You've set me in your presence forever. David's enemies, like Job's friends, thought that his illness was due to God not caring for him or loving him. But I wasn't, I wasn't, the, I wasn't so. And, and David knew the truth. So this is why it's so important. So, so you're, some of you right now are going through kind of a, a pretty nice time, pretty sweet time. God's blessing you. He's blessing you monetarily. He's blessing you and your family. He's blessing you. You're, you're feeling good about stuff. And you maybe think, well, it's always going to be like this, right? Sometimes we think about that as an economy, right? That people in the depression they may not have thought they were ever going to get out of it, and those that ended up having where it was really, you know, economically flourishing, they thought it would it would just continue to go up, 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 until 1987, until 2008, and then all of a sudden the rugs pulled out from underneath. Or you may get involved with people that are not all that uh, robust and all that character-filled financially. And you may have gotten taken to the cleaners. We always think that when when things are good, that it's always going to go this way, this way, this way. And when things are bad, it's going to go this way, this way, this way, this way. And that's not always the case. What I'm saying to you is, while things are steady for you, bury yourself in the Bible. Get on your knees and store up. Squirrels got it. They store up for winter. We need to be storing up for the trials and the hard times that come. Because when they do come, you're going to be, you're going to have a bat in the beehive in your head. And suddenly you're going to be like, well, I wonder what the Bible has to say about this. And you're going to be going at it like this. Come on, give me something, God. I got to get out of this quick because I don't want this anymore. Well, while you're in the middle of the peace, that's where, while you're in harbor, you store up what you need so that when the hard times do come, and this is, what David, this is what was happening with David. I know. Well, how did he know? Because he was storing up the word. Now, he blew it with Bathsheba. He blew it, and ever since he made that, had that sin with Bathsheba, look it up, ever since, he never had one day's peace after that. But he still, while things were going smoothly, he was storing up his word. God called him a man after his own heart. And so he stored that up to when these things were going on, he could recall the promises. He could recall the good things that God has done. He could recall what happened with Moses and, and Abraham and Noah. And he could recall all of the good things. And he would be like, okay, that's, that's the same God now, going through a struggle here, same God now. And this is how he's operated here. I know this is how he is and who he is. I'm going to keep moving, even in the midst of that hard time. In John fourteen six to 10 it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. For now you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. It is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. You can say, show us the Father. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Now, why did I read that here quickly? If you want to get to know God, then you've got to get to know his Son. Well, I, just just show me, you know, I know Jesus. show me. no. If you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. If you've seen the Father, you've seen the Father through the Son. The Holy Spirit changes our hearts to help us know Him and show Him and grow in Him. And we've got to make sure that we are moving forward well in what God has called for us. Christ understands everything that you are going through. But this morning, you may be having having some issues, but you you, you might be here and you're like, well, I know a lot about Him. I, I know all the things about Him. I've read a lot of Bible, and I've been in a lot of church, and I know a lot about him, and I'm just going to draw from that. It's kind of like what you were saying, right, preacher? I'm going to draw from that. No, no. What Jesus is saying is, if you know Jesus, then you will know the Godhead. You'll, you'll, know, you'll know the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You will know him, and then he will show you how you can be rescued Not from the enemies without. They're going to be be there. One day we'll be in heaven and we'll be rescued from that. But we're here right now, but we're our own worst enemy. We're the ones that listen to the enemies. We're the ones that our feet go where they're not supposed to go. Our minds go where they're not supposed to. Our eyes watch what they're not supposed to. Our mouths say what they're not supposed to. I mean, we're our own worst enemy. And the devil knows that if he can get us away from the things of God, then he doesn't have to work very hard. The hard part of his is that he wants to get you as Christians, I'm going to talk to Christians, away from the beauty of the gospel in relying on Christ and everything. For those of you who are not followers of Jesus, I just want to say the devil has you right where he wants you. And that's not good. When Jesus died on the cross, he had you in mind. When he died on the cross, he had you in mind to rescue you from sin, from the devil, from yourself. And so when we look at this. Yeah, it says in verse 3, in illness, you restore him to full health. You're like, God, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. But having this thing going, I'm waiting. It may not be this side of heaven, but one day you'll be rescued fully. One day you'll be rescued from your enemies, and one day you're going to be rescued from you. But the process starts now and the trajectory starts now. What's God calling you to do? He's calling you to come and be a follower of Jesus, to be saved and rescued from your sins. Please don't wait another second. Even while I'm talking, come and meet me up front and we can talk about what it means for you to get right with the Lord and being rescued. Those of you who are followers of Jesus, I'm happy to pray with you as well if there's a struggle that you have. But if you want to go right to Him, there 's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, and he 's there waiting to be that mediator for you and You can come and use these steps as an altar of prayer. You can grab somebody behind you. I need you to pray with me. do it. This is an urgency that 's here. I shared this a little bit on online oh my I shared this a little bit online the c d c just came out in twenty twenty one we all this the things that came out in twenty twenty one and one of the things was is that. Now, the life expectancy of women is 79 years. The life expectancy, the average life expectancy of men in our country is 73.2. And that's the widest gap. But you know what isn't a change? It's a life expectancy, but you know what the death expectancy of everybody is? One in one. One in one. One day we'll have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The enemies didn't care. But we know. And we can live as if I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, I've got to keep my act together. But we can also live in joy is that there is one who's taking that penalty for us. Come to Christ. Don't miss out. Father, thank you for all that that you've done. Use us, Father, for your glory and for the good of those that are around us. And I pray, Father, that as we look at your word, you meet us right where we are. And maybe where we are is in need of you, in need of your son, in need of the cross, in need of the empty tomb, in need of rescue. It doesn't mean our lives are going to go smoothly, but it means that we'll never go through it by ourselves. Thank you, Lord, for the rescue. Thank you, Lord, for keeping, giving us a, a godly, holy perspective about when our enemies may say something about our faith, when our friends may turn from us because of our faith, when we may question you on why you're allowing us to be ill or even just to suffer the effects of age, and we find ourselves in that valley discouraged, I pray, Father, that you would help us to realize all that you are and that you have promised to be gracious to us. And You are. And You will deliver us. You will strengthen us. You will keep us in Your presence. And You will hold us all the day long, all the year long, all eternity long. But it's when we come and trust and surrender our all to You, Jesus. May this be the morning. May this be the morning that we surrender our all. If anyone needs to trust in Christ this morning, I pray, Father, that You would bring them so that we could talk even whether it's during the closing part of the service or even after. Help us, Lord, to make sure that we don't leave here or take another step without you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's another wonderful hymn that we are getting ready to sing as we...